Brian, are you staying? All right, well, good to see you. Thanks for staying afterwards as we get into this. I thought, uh, as always, Leonard did a great job with this and didn't leave me very much to say, so, uh, which is good. When we repeat ourselves, I mean, any teacher will tell you, I'm making this up, I have no one any teacher will tell you. Any teacher will tell you, though, that uh, learning is, comes from repetition. <laughs> so, a faithful church actually is always repeating herself, I think. So, thanks for staying as we get into today. Um, I was ready to go all the way to the end of the chapter today. Uh, but today's going to work a little different. I, I think that Jesus is very clear in the things that he's saying. I think he's, he's so... He puts it in these binary categories, these either-ors. It's good and bad. And he makes it very simple and practical. MacArthur and Luke, that's good. Uh, um, and so I didn't spend a whole lot of time making a bunch of notes and then to read them. I, we can make this more conversational today. Um, and so before we go in, Father, I pray that you would lead that you would fill our hearts. And I thank you for the service that we just heard. You, you did that very thing. Help us to take what we've heard, talk about it, and in the opportunities when they come to obey it. To obey it. As we'll hear more about next week, uh, what your people do is they, they come, they hear, and they do. So may it be our heart's desire, having come, having heard, to put this into practice and live like what we believe is actually true. Because you are truth, and everything that we have to talk about today is true. And I thank you for just the immensity of your word and the kindness it is that we can hear it and talk about it and understand it. And it's all by the Holy Spirit that we understand. So, Spirit, you're up, and all glory to God. It's for his son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So we left last week having said this, and I want to repeat it uh, just to kind of bring us back into that mode, because the first word that he says today is for. F-O-R. So, like... You don't begin a service with because. You need what's behind it, right? To, to say what's next. That's why you say because. Because is usually in the middle of a sentence, yeah? Um, so we left last week having said this. Christ gave us this teaching. Everything that we've been talking about this past couple weeks. Everything that um, Jesus probably took all of five, ten minutes to say, which we've been going over for... I think this is five weeks in the Sermon on the Plain, maybe six. Next week is going to be six or seven. We almost did this uh, in one sermon, the whole sermon in one sermon. And then we were like, yeah, that's no. <laughs> so Christ gave us this teaching and accomplished it. It makes him the object of our faith, so that the object of our faith isn't our obedient self, because we can, we can do a lot of things and feel really good about it, but God might think something else about it, so, so our object of our faith isn't our obedient self, 
obeying this teaching, but him who perfectly lived it. Obeying this teaching doesn't accomplish our salvation, but it is what we do with our salvation. It's for our operation. We don't do this to be made right with God. The blood of Christ is the only thing that does that. But these commands show us we've been made right with God when we desire to obey them. We obey not to be saved, but because we're saved. Our obedience is proof of his justifying work, not the cause of it. The desire to obey him comes within the new heart that he gives the sinner that he's drawing in. His justification is his verdict that the, Christian ju the Christian's judgment is mercy. So as for today, um, this is what those who receive it look like tree and fruit, and next week we'll talk about what they are, where they're built foundationally. Christians look like him, are like him, are being made by him, with him, in them. And today, I don't think it's hard to see what Christ is talking about. I think he's pretty black and white today. Um, but I think there's a key to understanding this. Um, because he's going he's gonna to use that word good and to understand the following in the gospel as a whole. Um, we need to come to grips with just one statement. And from Mark um, 10, 18, this guy comes to Jesus says, Good teacher, what must I do? And Jesus, before he does answer him, but before he does, he says, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. Uh, so, with that said, let's jump into our text today. And uh, okay. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Okay, so he said for. He said that means like because. He's going to say that a few times. So he's saying what he's about to say out of what he just said. So if you rewind it, and you take it back to the verse before this, before he goes into the tree and its fruit, he gives us the invitation to first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So like that's, the, that's what repentance is. And we didn't talk about repentance like very explicitly last week. It was, it was talked about, but not explicitly mentioned. Um, so he, this is repentance. It's, it's that... It's, it's that self-evaluation that takes what's the, the log in your eye out of it in the turning to Christ. And he's drawing our attention to us and he's saying it's out of what he just said, out of repentance comes fruit. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. And I was, I'm reading this and I'm thinking of uh, Think of fruits, and I start thinking Genesis 1, and starting in verse 11 to that whole day's actions. He makes he, he makes all things, he makes the earth, the, the water, the sky, everything, and then he fills it up with life and plants, and he and talks about he makes each thing according to its kind. So here, 
you see and that fruit produces seed that produces more of that fruit. And we are no different. Um, no good tree bears bad fruit. That would be in, not according to its kind. See, before Christ, all bad trees. Um, we bear fruit, we bear, we bore fruit according to our nature. We've said before, you should take all of humankind and divide them into bad and good. You'll find Jesus on one side and everybody else on the other. And he's so good. His fruit is us, because he comes over to that side. As we've been talking about dominions here and there, and he brings us over to his. So we bear fruit according to our new kind. We go from good to bad, and we sell this. It's more than bad, it's, it's death to life. Old to new, Adam to Christ. Totally depraved, to totally reconciled, redeemed, restored, ransomed. That's good news. Or, verse 4 again, because each tree is known by its own fruit. Known. Um, Leonard used the text today with that word recognized, which I like. Um, we are who are we known by? Known by God. And we make him known. And it's the fruit that tells us rather than not we know him. It's that distinguishing um, factor that Jesus gives us invitation to look at. You'll know them by their fruit. For fig trees are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Like, it's inappropriate. These are things that aren't producing according to their kinds. Um, and there's this other story in the Gospels, and I, I was kind of taken back when I heard this the other day, when, when we were talking on the phone about, uh, the, you know the encounter that Jesus has with the fig tree in, in the scriptures where he, cursed the fig, he curses the fig tree? Um, it almost seems like this, the, uh, this move that's just, like, where the judgment of God kind of seems like, what are you doing? Like, that, that, that seems out of character, out of step with who you're all the other things that are, we can see your characters making of you. Um, and, okay, so there's, in Israel, there's, this, there's a season for figs, and all but one tree produces in fig season. It'll produce out of fig season. And the teller of this is these leaves uh, that this tree, out of season, is about to produce. And that tree would have been considered a, a delicacy. And... So Jesus sees this tree, sees the leaves, he goes over, he finds no fruit. And so he curses the fig tree, and it withers, and it dies. And so we can read that, and it, 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 all this gets past us in, our, in 2021, but his disciples would have understood this better than us. And so let me read the next verse and then finish that. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, Produces Christians are to produce. Produces the good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil 
treasure of their heart produces evil. So you produce what's in you. Jesus goes over to this fig tree. It's out of step. This tree is a hypocrite. This tree has leaves and has the appearance of fruit. But when evaluated, he finds none. Um, and then you hear Paul and Peter writing, be ready in season and out. And Peter writes, always be ready uh, whether the time's convenient or not. And it could then from that, because Jesus says, understand a lesson from the fig tree, that both the, the apostles write what they wrote about being ready in and out of season. Christians are those delicacies of the world that are to be producing when, to be found producing when our maker comes to find fruit. Joe. Does that mean we're supposed to speak and then not speak? In other words, like in season and out of season, mm -hmm. sometimes we think we're going to talk about Jesus to the wrong crowd and we should just stay back and hold off. It's like the fig tree. Mm -hmm. Is that where you're going with this? Like, you know, because a lot of times we, we blow our horn, if I have to use that yeah. comment. Uh, there's a time to speak and a time not to speak, as far as... I would say that's a biblical statement, yeah. Yeah. Um, but our tongue can ruin it. Our tongue can definitely ruin it, yeah. <laughs> I, my tongue has ruined a lot of possible witnessing moments. Uh, the Democrats would have been upset if Christ cursed that fig tree. And that's, that's again, I'm glad you're clearing this up because people think the way they want to think about this fig tree. Yeah. But there's a meaning behind it, and you're bringing it out. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I should have said when I came into this, just these trees are people. I think we all know that, but just to, to explicitly say it. Uh, <laughs> um, and regardless of political affiliation, you know, we agree with we're bad trees. Hey, hey, Rich, yeah. I, I really appreciated when we had that conversation the other day and mm -hmm. you brought that up. I never thought about that, and I've read that passage numerous times. And I'm like, that fig tree must have been the lightning rod for Jesus's frustrations that he was having at the moment, you know, because you kind of get that sense. But how you how you said that in season and out of season that's so unique to that fig tree. Yeah. Um, and then how Paul and Peter made those analogies of, you know, when it's convenient, when it's not, or in season, out of season. I kind of take that to mean, and maybe I'm wrong, and that's why I'm kind of mentioning it. Um, uh, on those occasions when it seemed like, yeah, I need to, I need to speak and say, you know, like in a church setting or something that's very, very formally defined as an occasion for the word to be brought forth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when Paul says um, in season, out of season, it may mean it's not the occasion, but the opportunity has been kind of laid out for you. Yeah. And so you need to you need to use that opportunity that God's created in that on that occasion that didn't have anything to do with that. What, what with, you know, with that theme, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
So it's like, you just always have to be ready and to be fruitful, no matter what the conditions are, whether they, whether it's warranted, like a church setting or something that, you know, it's obviously not that topic or whether it's something that has nothing to do with it, but God says, oh yeah, here's your, here's your chance. <laughs> say what you need to say because these circumstances actually created that chance. Yeah. So I guess that's how I've reflected on that. Just, you know, we've been thinking about it. It's, it's just when the when 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 the opportunity that God creates is in front of you, be fruitful. Yeah, there's the Bible's pretty specific about the timing of things, and I wrote a and there's a lot of Proverbs about this. Uh, Proverbs 15, 23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. Like if you're perfectly timed. Like when we read, uh, read Ephesians 4, 29, Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up Edifying and comma as it fits the occasion. Like it's there's a, there's a time and place for the word of God to come forth, and we need to be ready when he says to go. You know, I've I've you've been spending time in my word, I've been talking, you've been praying, and you're this is how I put it, you're locked and loaded. I was hearing the voice trying to heal, trying to, and I looked it up. It's Ecclesiastes 3 3. It's a time to yeah. kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build. So it's like our tongue needs to heed that warning of, you know, is it, is it a time to heal or a time to tear down? Yeah, we, we, we definitely need to have. Use discretion, God-given wisdom to be the appropriate times for those Ecclesiastes three things. Because God is, what I think it says, God has made everything appropriate in its own time. Before I guess, before or after that list of bird song. And um, hey, Rich, you yeah, I were talking about this, and I really liked how you said. Um, you know, because we were talking about there's a time when people and ourselves included, we need to hear, um, we need to hear kind of a critical word from God as in calling us out because mm -hmm. we need to get unstuck. Mm -hmm. And then we need to hear, then there are other seasons where we need to hear a word of encouragement because we've been so beat up by critical things that it's time for grace, mm -hmm. you know. And it's knowing when to say either a, a word that is going to kind of call us out or call somebody out or a word that's going to help a very wounded soul to feel yeah. loved and built up, even though there's a host of issues going on. Mm -hmm. Now's not the time. What they need to know is that they're, they're beloved of God yeah. and they got to be built up in that. And it's learning the art of when to say what you need to say under the appropriate conditions. Yeah. And you'd mentioned kind of two criteria for that. And I think that was oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to jump ahead. No. We have time and we're good. We're good. Um 
told us, all right, so he, last week he told us not to judge and showed us what good judgment is. We characterized the judging that he told us not to do this premature criticizing or grumbling against, um, not taking bites out of people with our comments and opinions, and not treasuring our opinions over our relationships. And that was the judgment part, at least, that he was saying you need to intentionally abstain from that exercise of self-control. Don't do it, and you won't receive that. You haven't received that from us. Don't give it. And he told us what good judgment is. He logs out of your eye to adjust other people. We saw that self-evaluation. One, this is the first self-evaluation over evaluating others. Like, judge yourself. Criticize yourself first. Uh, I, think it, I think it was Thomas Watson, Puritans. He wrote, be harsh with yourself, gentle with others. Not harsh as in self-condemning. That's That would be saying that's that we do not call, do not call unholy what God has made holy back in Christianity. There's a, there's a kind of self, it's not, there's a kind of, uh, self-critical posture a, yeah. where you're, you're always beating yourself up and you, and you shouldn't do that. Yeah, like, and it's just as prideful as pride. Pride says, hey, look at me. Self pity says, uh, or pride says, look how much I've done. Self pity says, look how much I suffer. Yeah, that's right. Um, and repentance over condemnation. And number two, um, spirit, Paul, uh, Jesus gives us another form of good, like a good kind of judging. He gives his, I'll go, just go to the text and let him say it. He, after his resurrection, he's with his disciples. And this is in John 20, verse 23. And I'm going to go to 21, actually. Jesus said to him, there's one number, this is a triune thing happening here. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. He calms their souls. As the Father has sent me, even though... Uh, even I am sending you. So he's going to put them on, he calms them, he's going to send them on mission. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's all three members of the Trinity. Uh, they are all active in our salvation. They are all active in his mission. Um, and he tells them this. This is a, like a momentary spirit. They permanently receive the spirit in Acts 2. This is a, a specific um, for their understanding here and now. If you forgive the sins of many, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So Jesus is, this is another good kind of judgment. You'll, this is the same thing as saying, you'll know them by their fruit, you'll recognize them by their fruit, as he as we, as we learned today. He's, he's, he's commissioning them to have a good judge of rather someone knows Christ or not, rather they have the forgiveness of sins or not. And he, 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 like he bestows this authority on them so that they can tell. Because how much would it mess up your ministry and the ministry of God because you're working with 
someone who Christ isn't actually living in, and though they, they, they look like it, they got the leaves, they don't have the fruit, and how much that would just... God won't use that person for the good of that ministry's purpose. And so we need to be able to, and that's, we need to be able to recognize Christ in others. And he bestows on this authority to be able to make that, that judgment so that we can have like true community. And there's this, uh, Because God ultimately knows and he wants us to know. It's not Christian fellowship if it's a Christian and someone else meeting under the name of God. It's something else. But God's, this is uh, 2 Timothy 2.19, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The Lord knows those who are his. And those who are his depart from the things that he gives us good judgment to recognize those things and the power to depart from them. And so, if you look at verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure. I found this interesting. Um, that word treasure right there is the word that we get the word thesaurus from. What's the thora? What's the thesaurus? For one, it's hard to say that's what it is. Um, it's a treasury of knowledge. All of our hearts are treasuries of what we put into them, what is what we're allowing to disciple us, as Leonard was talking about. We're always being discipled. Whatever we're inviting into our senses has sway on us. Now, there's a good, there's a, there's a, there is that which is, makes it good. And remember that statement we made at the beginning, only God is good. So the good person out of the good thesaurus, treasury, treasure of his heart, that deep, that deep place within you, that well that you're bringing uh, a drink from for somebody else. Like, what is in you is going to show. So out of the treasure of the heart produces, out of the good treasury of his heart produces good, and likewise with evil. The evil person out of the evil treasury produces evil. Both of these two different kinds of trees can do no more than they um, are. They can do no more than they are. For out of the abundance, like, um, there's a lot within all of us. Um, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. <laughs> I couldn't get Forrest Gump's mom out of my mind. You can tell a lot, of, a lot about a person by their shoes. You can tell a lot about a person, yeah, that's true, and it sounds good in the movie, but you can tell a lot about a person by a lot about them, but namely what they say. You go out to dinner with somebody in the first 10 minutes, you can pretty much identify what they care about. Uh, like if you went out to dinner with the writer of Hebrews, man, this guy loves Jesus. 
read Hebrews 1, no mention of us. If you love Jesus, you can read Hebrews 1 and be like, yes. What were you going to say, Joe? Uh, you know, when the, when the scripture says to check our, the log in our eye mm -hmm. before we judge, mm -hmm. we have the human spirit doing that. But if our log is out of our eye and we judge, that's the Holy Spirit is actually judging through us. So when we see a person, we think they're good, we don't know what the motive might be. And that's why this morning when Leonard was talking about the heart and that's where, where God judges, actually, because that's where everything comes from. Search my heart, yeah. But we, we kind of fake it. And we think that person's a good person because he's saying, I love everybody, or that's his human spirit. But then, really, if the log's out of our eye, or the log's in our eye, we're actually speaking from the human spirit, and the human spirit is kind of depraved, should I say? Kind of. But the Holy yeah. Spirit keeps correcting us and teaching us, and because if we actually uh, get upset because we put our foot in our mouth, when we speak, mm -hmm. that's the Holy Spirit telling us, and that's a good thing. But most people, if they just preach goodness out of their human spirit, we don't know the motive. Yeah. And so if a person is, knows that he's, how should I say, judging right, mm -hmm. and we get it, that be the Holy Spirit, I think, that's speaking through us because we don't have the log in our eye, because we can see correctly, or very good. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has a lot to do with this, what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mark, Even if the text doesn't the mention man, him. The, the man that came to Christ says, oh, you're a good man. Well, everybody thinks Muhammad's a good man. I mean, and, you know, and that's what, the, that's what people see. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, wow, I mean, yeah, there's good according to yeah, we our go standards. In and out. We go on and out sometimes between the human spirit and the Holy Spirit, and we think we're doing good, but we get a log in our eye sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I got more log in the eye. But when the guy told Christ that he was good, and Christ says, why do you call me good? And that makes people think, well, gee, Jesus might only be a prophet or only a teacher. He's really not God. God is good. Yeah. And you know, so and if Jesus is good, Jesus is God. Yeah. The second person of the Trinity. Yeah. And we know he's good. He's the only one who is. Right. But people can see that and they'll say, well, this Jesus guy, he's only a prophet or a teacher. He's a good man like Muhammad. Mm -hmm. But Jesus Christ is God, and that's the reason why we're Christians. And he's the one we gotta believe in for even eternal life. Mm -hmm. And and you know, so I, I don't want to say one more, but no. you're, you're, you're right on what you're saying. I wanted everybody else to understand when we get a log in our eye and we're judging, that's the human spirit judging. I didn't put my fork on the right side of, the, of my plate. Shame on him. <laughs> you know, I got a log in my eye. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I, I reached the end of the text here. We can talk about this more. Um, I have a question. Yeah. We talked about this on Tuesday night at my Bible study with my ladies, and we talked about, like, 1 John, how it says that once you have the Holy Spirit, 
in you and you've accepted him that you don't sin anymore. That basically oh, the desire to sin yeah. is not right, is not there. We have we went around and around and around this because I'm like, well then I'm way off because yeah. like I said to the ladies, I said then maybe I'm Maybe I'm not what I, maybe this isn't what I was supposed to be. I don't understand. It doesn't because mean. I feel like I struggle yeah. every day. And then Leonard said something to me a couple weeks ago off the shoulder. So maybe you should shut off the TV. And then like today, it's like maybe I should shut off the TV. And it hit me like, well, what, what, yeah, I'm filling my heart with all of this negative crap. And then I'm wondering why I'm not feeling better about what I'm producing mm -hmm. and why I'm always constantly struggling with uh, the sinful thoughts, the sinful things, the anger, the yeah. constantly. But when you read that first John, you're thinking, well, maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit in me. Maybe that's why I'm struggling. So I go back and forth with that. Like, yeah. what does that actually mean? John, John, John uses very binary language in that it's his style. Which means that everything is, he just puts things in very, very stark black and white. If you, so if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, then, then, you know, you're, you don't sin. He, he's basically saying that, 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 that you should be true to that, to that, to that, um, that attachment that you have. And your life should be a reflection of that. Um, it, it's not like, okay, you're, you're completely done. It's just, he's trying to say that inevitably you're going to be this or you're going to be that. At least that's how I take it to me when he uses that binary language. Uh, if you're if you are if you're connected to Jesus, then you're you are not going to sin. Um, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to sin. But the problem is, in the course of our earthly lives, we are constantly consenting to either being aligned with Jesus and the Holy Spirit or. We are being seduced and subverted by the world, and we're consenting to that. Um, I don't know of a person that isn't conflicted that way. And I, I think John uses that stark so language. So I'm normal? Uh, yes. I'm normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of people think that they're different with you, brother. You're normal in that way, like the rest of us. I guess that's my, my take on it. Because, you know, the, uh, Kathy brought this up to me. She's, you know, she mentioned somebody saying they they, they never sin anymore. To me, that's just pride. Yeah. Um, at work. Right. I think that when that was said, at the Bible said, I mean, I love her to death. It's not yeah. like, but as I go up, I'm thinking, whoa, I'm on the wrong track. Like, yeah. where am I at? Because I'm thinking every day, every second, sometimes I struggle with what yeah. I should be doing and what I'm actually doing. And then I try to guide it back over, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, if I had the Holy Spirit in me, why isn't this easier? Yeah. And basically, the Holy Spirit is a partnership with you in your faith. And it's kind of like um, you and Brent, or my, myself and Mandy. We have to consciously decide, are we, are we working for each other, or are we working against each other? Okay. And, and I think with the Holy Spirit, you have, to, you have to every day say, am I working with the purposes of the Spirit in my life? Or am I choosing to follow other influences? I don't know of a person on this planet who's a believer that doesn't have to make that daily choice. And that's why we get into the habit of meeting together. And that's why we do things that reinforce that, that ability to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. John uses very binary language because he's just making a point. He's saying right. it's either this way or that way. But you also have, I mean, you read Paul and you find that Paul, Paul knows that believers struggle with sin. I mean, um, 
the Corinthians had the Holy Spirit, they had the giftings of the Holy Spirit, but yet they were, they had pride, they had all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so clearly there was a connection between them having the Holy Spirit, not always cooperating with the Holy Spirit, and at times just being ungodly, even though the Holy Spirit was manifesting gifts. So I, I see our lives as a, as a continual process of learning obedience yeah. and learning to, to, you know how we were talking about when we were younger, it was easy to buy things and want things and all that stuff. Yes. Now that we're our age, we just want to get rid of it because we don't want to manage it anymore. Right. Well, you know, we're starting to see the downside of our own sinful nature. We're like, I just want to get rid of it now because I don't want to manage the, the drama and, and the dysfunctionality of it anymore. I just want more and more to be aligned with Jesus. And I think John's just using binary language. So basically, first John, let me interrupt you, but yeah, first John is kind of setting up a standard for him. Yeah. Like, this is the standard. Yeah. Once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and the Holy Spirit's in there, then that yeah. should be the thing that's triggering Rachel to yes. go, that's wrong. Yeah. That's why trigger, because now, like, as yeah. I move through Christianity in yeah. the 10 years that I've done it, I'm getting more and more able to say, ooh, that's wrong, right in the middle of it. Yeah. Sometimes I, before it was way after. I'd be like, yeah. well, what did I do? Yes. In principle, we are all of those things. We are we are made right, we are reconciled, we are justified, we are uh, we are a new creation. In reality, we're still playing catch up with that. And also you're being sanctified, glorified in that perfect state comes with comes with him. Comes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't know about you, Rich, but, but, yeah. but the more that I'm, I'm, you know, been in that process, the more I want him and the less I want that. Yeah, and, it, and I, I understand there, there's frustration, like, so many years later, we all think, man, I've only come this far sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you for saying that. That's how I feel. That's, <laughs> that gives you evidence. I'm going to be 50, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's his There's writing style. A lot of really bad teaching on that verse. Yeah. If I don't, you, you, if you're a Christian, you don't sin anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't carry on to sin. There's, you'll, you'll, you'll sin. We're going to intentionally, unintentionally. But we, the one thing that makes us different is we will not carry on in that sin. And John says this in this first chapter. This is the message that we heard from him for proclaiming you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Um, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's if we're out of him and say we know him. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive, our, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So only one who God lives in can say, yeah, I do sin. That if you say that you do not sin, he's not in you. Um, according to this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar because he says we do sin. And his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. These are warnings that, he, that, that the Spirit in John is putting in place so that we can feel the heat and not get burned. 
But if anyone does sin, we have, here's the good news, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So when we sin, discover that we're in sin, in the aftermath of some intentional sin, when we're feeling it, we don't wallow in it, we go to the only one who can do anything about it, Christ. And um, Peter, when you're feeling very discouraged, think about him. <laughs> Did he sin after his salvation? Did Paul have to rebuke him? Yes? Jesus yeah. was tempted. Tempted. By the yep. devil. Mm -hmm. he, he was he tempted yet without sin. Perfectly yeah. obedient in that yeah. process. But you, know, you, yeah. make, you make a good point. Peter uh, is rebuked by Paul for sinning by betraying the new humanity yeah. by being by being racist in that sense. Not, yeah. not, to, not to trigger anybody in the room, but um, that that is something that um, you know it, it shows the, that our lives have a degree of inconsistency until yeah. we're made perfect and complete in Christ. In in the Methodist tradition there's something called the second work of grace, which some believe is I get to that place where I, I no longer consciously choose to sin. To me, I, I, don't, I don't see that in, in, in Scripture. Mm -hmm. I, I see that as somebody trying to make Scripture justify a level of holiness that, that um, is really hard to arrive at. Mm -hmm. if, 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 you, if it's even possible. If it were possible, he would have used for us as not his son. Yeah. But in principle, all these things are true. We just have to bring ourselves into alignment with it. Mm -hmm. you know. What's that, Joe? Yes, thank you. Um, Is that helpful, Rachel? Yes. I, I've heard. It helped turn off the TV. It was fun to see about Jesus. Sorry? Jesus. Jesus was dark skinned, he had to have been, right? I love that the Bible doesn't tell us what he is, it tells us where he's from, and then we can kind of deduce that he uh, that he's a Palestinian Jew. And I love that the Bible doesn't tell us what, like, give us deep details about his appearance, because you know if the Bible did tell us that, there'd be those churches that only war with Jesus war. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is, yeah, Jesus. He presents... That's why his, his main thing is uh, the word that he speaks and not his appearance that he keeps. You know, and not to, again, not to go too far on the racist thing, but, you know, Martin Luther King said, you know, you, you know a man, you judge a man um, not by his color of his skin, but, but the content of his character. Mm -hmm. And basically that's what you're, you're saying is the content of his character is on full display. But we really don't have, I mean, we've got an image up there. And some of the images in churches look like, you know, he was Scandinavian because he's got, you know, light hair and blue eyes and, and you know, perfect teeth. Yeah. Um, we don't know any of that stuff. We don't need to know that stuff according yeah. to so, scripture. So it don't really matter. It doesn't matter. What, what, no, he's a human being uh, who was God incarnate, and um, he perfectly characterized God in all that he did. That's all we need to know. Yeah. yeah. And he's the one, regardless of the shade he took when he came that uh, created all shades. I can't believe I said that. I mean, I knew better. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no,
that's how we learn. There's a lot more silly answers than questions. Yeah. If we say we have no sin, we don't need a savior. That's right. And that's why he came. He came to save us from our sin. And I think it's Adam's sin. But we're still sinners. And that's the crazy part about it. People think once they, I mean, the world thinks once we become Christian, well, you're a Christian. Why are you doing these things? Because God took away our sin of Adam. And that's what was bad. That was the bad thing. Mm -hmm. But we still got sin within us because we're still human. And we got the human spirit. The human spirit, when, when Christ made Adam, when God made Adam, he breathed the spirit in him. Mm -hmm. I, I, I honestly believe that was the human spirit, not the Holy Spirit. And we're, we still got a carnal man. We're still human. I mean, life, I mean that's the way I see it. Yeah. And how a person can say, well, I don't sin no more. Yeah. I don't know what to think. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it says, John I, says they're self-deceived and call them God. We've got to admit that we sin, I think. I yeah. think we do. And Paul, or John, he, he writes that book to safeguard a church who's been exposed to a lot of false teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and it gets to the point where, like, John, first John is called the evaluation book. Um, to, that lets you know that rather you're in or out, and then I, I, I have a, a list, not like, this is how you know you're in him because there's a lot, there came a lot of people in that time saying, no, like, this is what, this is the way, this is the way. You know, just the, as there's, you know, the news isn't accurate today, it wasn't then either. It's always the same problems, just. And that's why we have to put the armor on. Yeah, uh, and, and John tells the beloved, the church that he's writing to, um, that, this, these are the, the, the identifiers if you love one another or uh, in keeping his commands. And the same thing Jesus said. He says, um, I love that book, but it, it, that's a really good, that's a really good epistle to go to after you've spent time with Jesus in the gospel. When you were talking about like the fig tree and how it had leaves on it, but it didn't have fruit and it wasn't in the right season, and God cursed it. Um, I thought a lot about like how we have ministers in the world today, not our minister, but ministers in the world today that are completely lying to people. Yes. And they have all that stuff. And some people don't know, you know, to say, hey, look, that isn't true, that it's not in the Bible, because you feel like it's a preacher that there wouldn't lie to you. I mean, I have friends that are going, oh, well, this isn't true, that, that's not what and I'm like thinking, that's not what's in the Bible, but they believe it because someone told them. Yeah. And it's so sad because, and as a person coming into a church and not having very, very much background in what's going on, you're trusting, you have this trust, like you're going, you wouldn't lie to me, you gotta lead, you're leading me in the right direction. And it's just sad sometimes to see that. And, and I know I've met people too that in myself even, you know what I mean? Like I don't, sometimes I don't produce the right fruit and I'm not doing the right thing. And I think, well, how do I have the right to tell somebody else that maybe they're not doing it? But mm -hmm. I see it, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
So part of the good news of the gospel is that God is a, Jesus talks about in other parts of the gospel, uh, the farmer, when he comes along and prunes so that we might be more fruitful. He comes along and talks about how God works the ground in some scriptures. And it's his fruit. I mean, and that's why I said a few weeks ago, there's a difference between being, and this text says it too, there's a difference between being active and being fruitful. You know, if, if God, if, you're, if we're a bad tree, we're only active. If God's not, and because the heart, that means like the tree to its core is bad. Jesus comes along, gives us new course, makes the tree good. He's not just trying to find there's a good tree and there's a bad tree. There are no good trees. He's making them. He's planting them. So he comes along even when we're stalled out or in a backslidden season or, you know, kind of going back to our old domain, you know, kind of sneaking out at night, go back to the old domain we've been rescued from. And he's keeping us saved. God doesn't start with somebody that he's not going to end with. It's called the doctrine of the perseverance of the, the perseverance of the state of this perseverance of the saints. Yes, it's a wonderful doctrine that says they can really help you sleep at night. No matter how bad we've messed up, there's no sin the cross can't handle. We cannot out sin God. He will restore us. Yes, at times he'll step back and let us reap the fruits of our own waywardness, and then he'll be like, right. Are you done? Let's go. Come on. Like, um, it'll, he's more gentle than I am. Um, he will continue with, abide with. Um, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. His anger is but for a moment. His mercy is for a lifetime. Like, they're, like that's how amazing it is to be a Christian. It's a, it's a place we stand we have no right to stand and could never climb to be at. And as to be a good tree um, is to have Christ sitting on that throne within you. He's the treasure. He's where we draw all our life from. Um, and so much more that we will continue to talk about as we and do you think, too, that if you're producing bad fruit, I know for myself, he works on my heart and obviously makes me feel bad, and then you have to backtrack and go. But in some people that don't have maybe that in them, he reveals it to others and shows them, hey, look, this person's not, maybe this isn't the person we should be listening to or following because mm -hmm. look at all these things that are happening. Like, I bring this up, and I'm not, I don't know about Catholics, because I don't know nothing about it, I've never been involved with it. Mm -hmm. However... When you have a preacher or a priest that's, you know, I mean, molesting children, and that's all starting to come out, to me, that's saying, okay, so we're they were producing bad fruit all along. Those are bad trees in a really bad forest. Right, but he revealed that. Yeah. And I mean, he opened that up to reveal that to show you, hey, look, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That... So he does a lot of revealing if we're able to look and see, I guess, and accept that revealing. Yeah. Because I guess if you were a Catholic, that's not something you would want to be like, oh, yeah, this is what's going on in my church. Let's be real. That happens in probably every church and every religion. 
that, that's, that's one of the reasons why you know, we're, we're part of the Protestant Reformation is we decided that we were going to take the Bible and use it as our filter for processing what we see. And when we see something that isn't right, that's the standard by which we, we base it on. In the Catholic Church, you just base it on whatever the Catholic Church says. And if they, if they give it their stamp of approval, then you just are okay, I guess that's what it says. Um, but they also don't want you to be very well informed with scripture because they know, you know, it, it can be, it can, it can shine a bright light on things. And what, the reason why we had come to studies like this is it helps us to tune that filter so that we start to see stuff. Yeah. And then, and then we start to see who are, who are the, the, the shepherds or the sheep and who are the wolves in sheep's clothing or who are the wolves in shepherd's clothing. And Jesus, you know, said, you'll know them by their fruit, you know, by the stuff that comes out of their mouth, their behavior. After a while, you, you measure it up against scripture and you're like, like Rachel said a minute ago from his catalog of things in 1 John, you measure it up against that and pretty soon you're like, oh, that doesn't work even though, so I, I'm, I'm confused here because you say you're this, but it's not adding up. And Jesus says, don't worry about what people say in that sense. Look at the pattern of what they're saying and you'll recognize that that's coming from some source and I may not be that source. And so what do we do as Christians? I know we, we pull away from them because we shouldn't be around them, right? If they, if they, if they, claim, if they claim to be a Christian, we need to speak the truth of love. Well, remember last week we, we, we talked, we went to those who profess the name of Christ yet, like at the end of 1 Corinthians 5. How the play the areas where we fight within right. the church when sin is in the church. Like that's hard. Yeah, like someone who names the name of Christ like yes, I'm a Christian, yet their life in no way, shape, or form is being conformed onto the image of Christ, doesn't look like Christ. They so it's good for texts like this to kind of open us up within things. And he, he, Jesus says in Matthew, and we'll close. Um, either make a tree good or its fruit good, or make a tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruits. You brood of vipers, children of the devil, uh, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. He preached the same thing today, but a little sharper because he's talking to Pharisees here. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. The evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless thing they speak. For by the words you will be justified or shown you are justified. Uh, and by your words you will be condemned. So like what we, he's judging those things that are in us. Uh, we can see the things that are in us by the things that we say. The things that we say are revealers of what we believe. We, that's why everything is so much more, it's so much important to, for us to focus on belief because everything comes out of that there's so many places that just focus on do 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 and it's good to be to be doing but it's better to be believing like i can give you a bunch of action steps and action steps and action steps do this do this do this i can motivate you to your car or jesus can transform you eternally and give and just give you jesus and then you'll be more fruitful than you ever would with all the action steps i gave you be rooted in him and 
because he says, out of our hearts by ourselves. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. So we need new hearts. And uh, Jesus is in that business. Thank you, Ken. Bible, it symbolizes some, you know, like right today, with like trees. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, um, and we had this sermon last summer about the trees and the roots and things. But um, it's kind of neat how, if you think about the very beginning, that again in the tree of life, it's like the tree of life is, is God. And the devil really knew that, and that the whole thing symbolized like with trees, but God was the tree of life and still is. And when uh, the devil, you know, tricked, you know, you know, Eve and Adam into taking that and saying, okay, you can be like God. You won't have sin. You won't know, you know, you won't have his knowledge. You won't sin. You'll be like God. You know, that was all a lie. And then because of that, you know, we had consequences of the sinful nature of, you know, the world and the people. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of neat how, um, it, uh, even from the very beginning, the tree, the yeah. tree of life, you know. Adam sins with the tree of life and brings our death. Jesus dies on the tree of death and brings our yeah. life. So it's kind of neat, the tree. The Bible begins with the tree, ends with the tree. Yeah. I do not understand the tree at the end of the Bible, but <laughs> <laughs> someone else does, and I'll learn Jesus. Yeah, but the, the, yeah, the, the imagery that goes. Yeah. Jesus is our second Adam. Yeah. Yes, he is. All right, so Father, thank you for, thank you for this, the one who took our curse on that tree. As your word says, everybody who hangs on a tree is cursed. And you, Jesus, you became sin, who knew no sin, um, that we might become the righteousness Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for every... For when the Spirit convicts us, and what Spirit you bring up before us, because of Christ, we have somewhere to take that. It's not like the, the enemy's uh, accusations, which are dead ends, and he just wants us to feel the weight of these things. That's when the enemy is active in our minds, convincing us of this, but the Spirit gives us somewhere to go. He makes the, you, the waters part, so to speak, and you provide a way out of the dead end when we run there with our uh, discovering our sin. And thank you. Lord, we, 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 can, we can be free. And thank you for how you're making a forest here at FCC. May you continue, may it grow as you tend your garden as you build us, preparing us for good works. Help us to love the word that we're talking about. And not just love the word that we're talking about it with, but your word. We can get lost from your words and the things that we think about it. So I pray, Spirit, that you would direct our thoughts. And may we be fruitful, planted in good soil, drinking deeply of our Lord himself out for us in his various wonderful name.